Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the flagship podcast here on our Campus to Canton network. As always, I am Colin, and Austin is still away, abandoning you in your time of need because the season is almost over. There's only championship games left. Sorry, anybody who's a Caleb Williams owner. Uh, tough luck on that one, but hopefully. All of you out there are in at least one championship. You got something to play for this week Um, because I got some start sits for you at the end. But the meat of the show here, we're just kind of going to review the CFF season. And I'm bringing on a good friend of mine, Mr. Dwight Peebles at FF Peebles Champ to break down the season with me. Dwight, thank you so much for joining me, man. In your time of need, I will come to the rescue. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's that's it, man. Although we were talking before the show, I'm in no championship, so maybe I shouldn't. Maybe who am I to rescue anybody at this point? So, <laughs> rescue myself, man. I gotta dig out of this anyway. <laughs> man, that was some, we were talking pre-show. Like you said that's some tough luck, man. It tough is luck. That's the way it is, man. It's yeah. just, it's you know we all it is luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a lot oh, yeah. of luck to this, no matter what you do, it's, it's all luck and we can't control what we do. So I was definitely a, a bitty, a bitter, salty person late Saturday night. And my <laughs> wife's like, what's wrong with you? Like, don't honey, you know oh, what I time did, of year it is. <laughs> I did see you said something in the one chat about salty Dwight was out. Oh, I remember that. Man. <laughs> yeah. And I, I get over it quicker now though. There, I used to man, a couple years ago. I would, I would be salty for like three, four days. Like, go to work on Monday, you're just kind of dragging yeah. Tuesday. You're still kind of pissed off at the world. You know, you're like, man, what's wrong with you? Like I lost three championships. You're like, what? Yeah. That's what you're mad about. Fantasy football. Anyways. Hey, man. So, yeah. Fantasy. Fantasy is life. It is, man. It is. All right. Well, we will dive into the season here. Review some things that we got right this year. Some things we got wrong. Uh, talk about a couple lessons we learned, some big surprises, MVPs. Uh, we got we got a lot of content to get to here, so we'll uh, we'll just dive right in and start off on a positive note. Who we'll, we'll talk about some of the things that we got right this season, Dwight. Who was a player that you were really high on, and they panned out for you? Yeah, uh, Ray Davis, man. I mean, I, I know some of the guys at C2C, mainly Matt, love him too. But um, I actually talked to Jared a little bit before this to get some preseason C to, some preseason ADP, you know, because mm-hmm. I wanted to see where these guys were going. Uh, Ray Davis was going off about around about ugh, can't talk about pick sixty three. He was typically around the twenty fourth, twenty fifth running back off the board, but I was targeting him much, much more aggressively than that. A guy that I absolutely loved going into Kentucky this year even though he's going to be playing SEC defenses. And he did slow down a little bit as the season went on, as he started hitting those SEC defenses. But, man, for those first five, six weeks there, I mean, he was putting up game, like, week-winning scores, you know, 40, 50 points. And, I mean, he was just a beast. And I think he's got a a decent little NFL future. I'm not really sure. I mean, he did have 25 receptions this year. We like seeing that. Um, Right now he stands at 990 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground, 25 receptions for another five touchdowns. Really really solid numbers. I, for some reason, didn't write down his size, but I think he's around 5'9", 210. So he's got pretty decent size. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just a guy I was super high on. I think I have him on probably seven or eight of my teams. I think I had 18 college teams this year. So Oof. give me a concept, con- concept of how much. And I had a lot of Ray Davis, man. I was really super high on him. So. 
Yeah, I was a big Ray Davis fan too, um, especially for CFF purposes. You know, I was, I, I thought he could have a really big year. We saw what he did the year prior at Vanderbilt. Now he's moving to right. Kentucky. He was just kind of blending on like a running back factory uh, through several different coaching systems. Uh, yeah, you know, oh, they, yeah, they have. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you talked on his CFF ADP and, you know, some Debbie value, but he was a value in the CD, C2C community too going off to pick 139 and given the cff production you were going to get and i i do think there's some debbie value there too i mean the, the medicals have to check out he's had some knee issues but good right. size solid receiving back uh he's a banger i i think he could he could have a nice little nfl future there so he was a value on both sides i think yeah they have him listed at 510 216 so that's perfect size i mean yep. but you do kind of wonder about what I see on tape, you don't see a lot of super athletic yeah. plays. I can't imagine him as being a guy that blows up the combine. So, so what, what's one? What's one guy that you did really that you hit on? I uh, I never gave up hope on my guy, Jackson <laughs> Dart, uh, quarterback, Ole Miss. Um, I you know I've, I've been high on him since his freshman year, and and there was oh, a little yeah. bit of a, a little bit of a, a battle going into last year with him and Alt Meyer. He ended up winning and had a decent year, a little up and down. And then they bring in uh, Spencer Sanders and people are thinking this is going to be a battle, but I was always still on dart. Uh, and he rewarded anybody who was patient this year. You know, he finished at, well, the season's not over yet, but as of right now with only one week left, uh, he's QB 14 in fantasy points per game with 23.4 uh, in, in a pretty basic scoring system there. I mean, it could fluctuate obviously depending on your league, but He's had uh, he only had four games this year that were under 20 fantasy points. And two of them right. were obviously predictable, Bama and Georgia. Two of them not so much, uh, Arkansas and Vandy. But he mirrored pretty closely to what Matt Corral did in his uh, in that scene uh, system in his senior year. He finished his QB 11 with 25 fantasy points per game that year. Um so, you know, and then you're, you're bringing him back. You're going to you're going to get another nice year of production there out of him. I, I think he was a. Uh, he was a a nice little reclamation bounce back project this year. Oh, definitely, man. I, I loved him going. We all thought that he was going to do these things going into Old Miss with Lane Kiffin. And then last year, he just didn't seem like they really wanted to trust him to throw the ball, you know, and he we saw a lot this year. He really took care of the ball well. He's got 19 touchdowns, only five interceptions, really good in the pocket, very mobile. So it's definitely been fun to watch him do something you know like we really thought he could so i still yeah. would have liked to see maybe a little bit more i think he probably mm -hmm. will return next year so he nice has yeah i'm pretty sure he said he is coming back uh, i think i saw something about that on twitter so right. you know 2025 yeah. qb class not looking overly strong at this point <laughs> i don't know i don't know Dwight. I got, we got quinn yours jackson dark come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go Anyways. All right, yeah. Another one I was the other one I hit on was I mean Byron Brown was I think you were even high on him, weren't you? I, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was a big Byron Brown fan. South Florida, but I wasn't I didn't expect quite this this year. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was really surprised. I have another another guy I have I have in probably at least half my leagues, and I did not expect him to be a top five quarterback uh, this this quick. I mean, he and he is. He's putting up where's his stats there? I'm having trouble bringing up, but he's gotten a lot of games over 30 points. Yep. He's thrown for over 2,800 yards, 19 touchdowns. He's have 10 interceptions, but he's also rushed for 700 yards and 10 touchdowns. So 
really good guy that that offense there is always going to be one of those ones that allows a quarterback like him to flourish. And he's got several years left, I believe, of yep. eligibility. So, I mean, just I wasn't expecting him is he was going actually right next to Jackson Dart in ADP yep. preseason right on quarterback 50. So a, two, a 200th player off the board <laughs> for CFF, you know. So if you get a top five quarterback out of a 200th pick, I mean, wow. I didn't even expect that this year. So it yeah. was good to see him do it and just, yeah, I'm really excited for his future, man. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, he's he was a redshirt freshman this year. He's got a number of years left in that system. I, I think that, you know, USF is a program that, you know, they're in a nice little recruiting area. They're never going to be the top team in that area, but they could get some some lower rated guys and, and they could be some gems. You know, maybe they hit the portal this year, beef up the receiver room because they lost uh, two of their guys from last year and Weaver and Horn uh, over to Colorado. I, I think with with a you know a little bit of infusion of talent, I, I don't see any reason to think why he couldn't finish top five again. You know? Right. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was a big Brown fan as well. I have him in a couple of places. The, the risk obviously was Jerry Bohannon, but with him not playing, Byron Brown just skyrocketed. I, I see you're going really deep on your next one there, Colin. It's uh, I'm really <laughs> surprised that this guy did well this year. Um, what do you yeah, got, well, Colin? <laughs> I uh, I was I was very high on Troy Franklin, and like I said, I I've said it once before. I was beating myself up for not picking him as a player who's going to improve his stock the most. Uh, but he's actually the wide receiver four in fantasy points per game this year, 24.5. Um, CFF, though, he was going off the board at, at pick 43. So he was a little bit of a value there. Not a, a you know, not a huge value, but definitely right. uh, increased his value. And, and C2C was going off right around the same spot. Uh, 41.1 was his ADP there. And I think we've seen a lot of wide receivers jump up this year, but he's been one of them who has, I think, improved his stock this year. Uh, but mostly from the CFF perspective, I, I was really expecting him to have a monster year, and that kind of came to fruition. I mean, with with Willie Stein as the offensive coordinator, he had three top 20 wide receivers last year with uh, Zachary Franklin, um, Clark, and uh, Cephas. You know, so I, I was like, I don't see any reason why Troy Franklin couldn't do it this year, and, and he's been a home run for anybody who's taken him. Oh, definitely. He definitely benefited from having McMillan miss so much time. And then, you know, I mean, he was the alpha alpha, you know, and he definitely ate. Um, I did want to give an honorable mention to my boy RJ Harvey, though. He was another guy who I was really okay. high on. And yeah, just I did want to mention him, too. I had him in quite a few leagues and he you know, finished in the top 10 of running backs or he probably will finish just outside the top 10, right about that area. A guy who was going typically in the RB 35 to 40 area. So yeah, he was really high, really, really high on, had a lot of shares of. So I want to give a boy, give a shout out to my UCF boy. Hey, that's a good call. And I was surprised to learn from Nate's uh, Pulse of the Nation article over at campusthecanton.com. If you haven't checked that out, definitely go check out his Pulse of the Nation article from last week. But yeah. yeah, I was surprised to learn that RJ Harvey has another year of eligibility if he wants it. Nice. Yeah, but uh, it's not all sunshine and, and roses here. You did get a couple of things wrong no, this year. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, I did. <laughs> I got a couple of things wrong this year. Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> um, 
What uh, what was one thing that you got wrong this year? Oh, Jonathan Brooks, man, I missed so so big on Jonathan Brooks. I, I was seeing it. He would, I would see him go off on, in the drafts and stuff. I actually didn't write down where he was going in in the in the ADP. I would just laugh. I would, I would just like, I even put in the notes. I would mock and ridicule people that would yep. take them. I, I would in the chats and be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like Baxter's way more talented, mm-hmm. you know. And I just thought for sure it was just going to be that way and. I was incredibly, incredibly wrong as Jonathan Brooks ran for 1,139 yards, 10 touchdowns, also caught 25 passes, uh, would have finished inside the top 10 of running backs. I think because he, because of the injury, he's not going to now, but right. I mean, you can't take away from what he did. I mean, multiple games over 20 points. I mean, just as consistent as consistent could be. And I was just incredibly wrong on that one. So I think I have like zero shares. So. Same. I, I think a lot of us at Campus of Canton in the on the Devi team, especially, were wrong about him. You know, quick shout out to Mike. Uh, he was the the lone Brooks supporter there because I was with you. I thought, you know, I didn't think it'd be too long until Baxter took over for Brooks. I thought Blue would mix in a little bit more than he did too. And you know, you talked about the ADP, and it showed in Brooks's ADP and C2C. He was going off the board of the 213th pick, um, and then in CFF. Not too much sooner, 198.8 was his ADP there. So right. of screaming value on both sides. And <laughs> if you took him, maybe even still the RB1 in the 2024 class. I mean, Travion has is, is really ripped it up down the stretch, and that knee injury for Brooks could really be a setback there. But if he comes out, this is a weak class. There's some Debbie right. value here. Right, right. Who, who did you get? wrong here colin oh man my my first one uh i'll, I'll save hurts. my yeah. i'll save my biggest miss i'll say for the for the second one but um because this guy the first guy i'll talk about was a little under the radar but uh jordan curley wide receiver for smu i really thought he was going to be rhett lashley's next number one wide receiver you know, Charleston Rambo, when, when Lashley was in Miami in 2021, he had 19.9 fantasy points per game, finishes a wide receiver 28. Last year, Rasheed Rice, 24.1 fantasy points per game, finishes the wide receiver four. Um, I really thought Curly could be on par with Rambo. You know, I liked this SMU offense, and uh, the SMU offense has been very good. Preston Stone has looked pretty good, especially for fantasy purposes, but None of those wide receivers have really done anything. Um, Jordan Curley, 6.8 fantasy points per game. He has one game over 10 fantasy points. Um, just an absolute nightmare. And no C2C ADP, but his CFF ADP was at 58.9. So I wasn't the only one who was high on him. I wasn't the only one who was this wrong. Yeah, he's he's a guy who I yeah we we knew somebody would have to emerge there, and I think I thought he was a good bet too. I don't know if I put all my eggs in the basket, but I thought for sure he was going to be much much more than than he was. Yeah, I put too many eggs in that basket, unfortunately. <laughs> and I, I will go the the other direction. I really did not think. Jaden Daniels would take the step that he has. I mean, yep. I just, I was very, very wrong ever since he, he stepped onto the field. Who was he with before? I can't even remember who he, who he was. Arizona State. There you go. I mean, his first game, I remember it being, you know, where he was this prodigy and he had a great first game. And then just watching him toil for several seasons at Arizona State, just not putting it together, you know, erratic throws, inconsistency. Then last year, you know, he emerges a little bit, and we we see 
flashes of all that potential, but I still just kind of felt like it was a fluke, you know, and I was, I don't think I have him on a single team. You know, I'm just like, he'll, he'll be good. You know, he'll be a good college quarterback. You know, he'll be all right. Uh, no, he's <laughs> over a hundred points over the next quarterback in most yeah. of my leagues. I mean, he is QB one with a gigantic <laughs> exclamation point. Yep. Uh, 30, 36 touchdowns, four interceptions, a thousand yards rushing. I mean, wow. Over 4,500 total yards. He's, I think what we expected Caleb Williams to be like, I think yeah. you said that earlier in the podcast. So it's just, I was not expecting him to do that again. And I wasn't buying it. And I was, <laughs> it's probably why I'm home alone. <laughs> in my town. Championship weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have, yeah. I have him in, in one league uh, and I am in the championship in that one. So he <laughs> carried, I'm sure I'm not alone. He probably yeah. carried a lot of people, especially through these playoffs dropping oh, like 60 yeah. and 70 fantasy point bombs these past two weeks. Against great defenses, he's tearing yep. them up even. I mean, he's just, yeah, he's been matchup proof, everything. I just, yeah, everything you want. So. Yeah, and, and getting uh, a little bit of Devi buzz too. I mean, Dane Brugler has been talking about yeah. him a little bit. He's getting late first know. round buzz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite there yet on him, but uh, I, I definitely think he's a, at least a day two guy. Um, so if you had him, Prior to this season, I mean, his C2C ADP was going off the board as the 51st QB, 178.7. CFF, he was even going off the board as QB 13. Uh, So it's big value, big, big bump. Right. Yeah. Um, All right. Who's the other? uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is what I think a lot of us got wrong. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Especially a lot of us over over at Campus Can over the site. We were definitely a little bit lower on um, Shador Sanders quarterback colorado um i was pretty sure he'd be solid for for cff purposes just because of the sean lewis offense and how bad that defense was going to be he was going to have to kind of sling it all over and we we did see that you know he only had one game under 10 fantasy points and that was against oregon he had six games over 25 fantasy points and three games over 30 fantasy points uh and i'm obviously throwing out the uh the last week where he just got injured against washington state but I mean, he was a, going off the board of uh, ADP of 133.8 in CFF uh, and pretty much right around there in C2C leagues as well. He was a QB 21 off the board, but we're getting a little bit of Debbie buzz for him too. Dane Brugler as him as his QB four, he's number 24 overall player in the 2024 class. Uh, and he's going back. So you're going to get another year of CFF production. And like it's mentioned before, there's no clear cut QB one in next year's class. He could, potentially be a first rounder which that's probably the bigger surprise to me personally yeah i think that's still crazy talk but i mean we've talked about it you've heard it ad nauseum and on our our podcast every other podcast you know he's just not the most mobile guy he doesn't have the greatest arm you know i do think his decision making is pretty damn good though Mm -hmm. but ultimately they're going to have to get him a better offensive line and they're going to have to do something to give that kid a chance i mean otherwise he's just getting up injured again and it's just going to be another one of those, you know, what could have been type of stories. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he got crushed a couple of times in that Washington uh, state game. That yeah. offensive line has been bad and he hangs onto the ball a little bit too long, but oh, he yeah. still has, still has no help on that line. So they're going to have to go portal shopping this year. 
<laughs> Definitely. So, and I wanted to give an honorable mention too. I mean, like a lot of people, I took out. Um, a lot of people did this too. A lot of people drafted Squirrel White and Malik Benson way too early. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. I, I just hand feel up. like hand up. Oh, yeah, those were big, big misses for so many people. <laughs> so, yeah, especially yeah. considering the the draft pick you had to spend on oh. on both of them, but especially on Squirrel White. Yeah, both of those guys were in. I think every supplemental I take, I was they were like second and third round, like right mm-hmm. in with all the rookies or the rookies, yeah. freshmen. I do that so many times. So they were like right <laughs> in there with the freshmen. Someone would take a Blake Benson, and I'm like, whoo, that was a wasted pick. I mean, <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah. So yeah, those are those are rough ones, man. So I still have a little hope for Squirrel Williams next year. I think with with Nico taking over, I'm hoping that offense could be a little bit better. Right. Are you are you with me on that one? Am I yeah. alone? No, no. I mean, there's definitely, obviously, uh, there's a shot. There's a chance for that type of player in that type of offense, especially if Nico does do what we all thought Milton was going to do, because I think it boils down to Milton wasn't what we were <laughs> thinking he was going to yeah. be. And that really hurt Squirrel. I mean, we saw flashes of it, but just that offense does not seem like anywhere near what it has the potential to be. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I mean- sure. You want to talk about uh, some something that else that I got right? You know, let me pat myself on the back again. I was way off of Milton. I wanted nothing to do with him. And, and he has not looked very good at all. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't target him or anything, but I had him in a couple leagues, you know, ones that he had just been kind of hanging around there. Um, but, yeah, he was in a lot of supplementals. Right. So, yeah, you definitely uh, pat yourself for that one. That was... <laughs> Yeah, because he was so bad at Michigan. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I just remember how bad he was and how bad even when he got into Tennessee. I mean, when he hits, he hits. But when he misses, whoo, he missed. Yep. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good call. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think, you know, we, we, we pat ourselves on the back enough. Uh, you know, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about what we learned this year. A um, couple of the big takeaways in the season. And you have two great ones. Um, there's actually, you know, the first one that you're going to talk about here was one that I was also um, thinking about putting down here. So I do only have one on mine, but I think yours are, are both excellent here. So what is the first thing that you're taking away from this past season? You know, I target, I started targeting CFF production earlier than I've ever done before in supplemental leagues and startups, you know, for C2C leagues in particular. Um, I feel like when you get past those first, like, first 10 or 12 freshmen, you know, that are really good, that are going to, let's, let's just say in supplementals, for instance, we'll start off with that one. It feels like there's, there's that first round, round and a half of really good freshmen. And then it seems like it starts getting really, really sketchy. So I just started going CFF guys, you know, really good guys that I know are going to get me production at the very least. And a lot of them will ultimately get an NFL shot. You, you think about all those guys that we've missed in the past, you know, the guys that do follow, that do make it to the supplemental draft and end up being, you know, having huge seasons, uh, kind of like a guy like Malachi Corley this year, who's probably, you know, is getting a lot of buzz as going to be a type of NFL guy now, you know, and so I would, and a lot of those guys in the past would have waited, you know, fourth, fifth round, you know, and, and if you wanted to talk about startups, we're talking like 10th, 12th round. Yep. I, I, I mean, even in a startup, I would start going CFF guys like seventh round. I, I just, you know, I, I know that I want to get that. And I always know that this is going to sound crazy, that if these CFF guys all start working really well, I'm going to have a really good college squad. If they don't, 
and my college squad sucks a little bit, I've got pieces to trade for those freshmen mm-hmm. at the end of the year. You know, so if my CFF squad, you know, is five and seven at the end of the year, whatever, I, I can trade them for some of those freshmen that I missed out on. So I, I just I like the strategy it gives my teams as I build them. Um, I like seeing production earlier. I don't like targeting a whole ton of freshmen and just sitting there on the watching my CFF team do nothing for three years. Um, I just I want that instant gratification, and I, I think it's it's almost feels like it's easier to hit on a CFF guy than it is a freshman sometimes. So, yeah, I think with a lot of these CFF guys that we're looking at, you know, it's it's a lot of system based things. So we've seen guys be productive in that system before, and then here's the next guy up, and we kind of assume that they're going to step right in and and at least put up similar production to, to the guy before, like Corley was a big name in that regard last year. Uh, we were kind of looking for the next Bailey Zappi, Jarrett Stearns connection. And, you know, obviously Bailey Zappi and Jarrett Stearns went nuts, but we saw it out of, out of Austin Reed and, and Malachi Corley. And, and now Corley's parlaying that success into some NFL buzz. So it's not only right. CFF guys. If, if, you know, if you're, careful if you target the right guys um when the right profiles there as well you can get a little bit of nfl value too you know production does matter a little bit at least to to the nfl right right i'm looking through the list to try to find some more guys but th- there's a lot of examples yeah, of Tory those Horton. guys yeah guys yeah. that I and mean, even like right now a lot of guys were on the on this this run toward the championship now we're targeting ollie gordon as being a type of guy for cff production well he's got an nfl future too you know Mm -hmm. like so you can get him really cheap now who knows at the end of the next year when he starts getting a little bit of draft buzz who's what he's going to be worth you know so Mm -hmm. maybe i traded a a third round supplemental for him this year just because i wanted to make a run but i think it's got a lot more chance to make it a much bigger return after that so yeah and i I just I value those CFF guys a little bit more than a lot of people do in C to C leagues. I think so. Yeah. I think that's something that's starting to swing a little bit more towards that direction. I've noticed um, players being a little bit more savvy with uh, some CFF production too. Yeah. So I think oh, that yeah. edge is, is disappearing a little bit. I think people are kind of coming around to the way of your thinking as well. And, you know, you mentioned waiting four or five years in the past and sub or four or five rounds in the past years for supplemental picks. And, you know, now you're you're kind of pulling the trigger, maybe round three or four. You know, and and I'm I'm kind of right there with you. I am looking a little bit earlier in supplementals towards some CFF production. Now, it does depend a little bit on the freshman class, but this year I'm probably going to do kind of the same thing again because the freshman class quarterbacks looking a little iffy, running backs looking a little iffy. So I'm probably going to do something similar to that this year as well. All right. What's one thing you did learn though? You said you had one that you had wrote down. So I did. Yeah. So I need to be more patient with waiver claims, especially no. in limited leagues. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I got burned a couple times this year. You know, Jalen Buckley uh and, and Gage Larvadane were two guys that I picked up um Ooh, yeah. pretty early in the year. And and I thought <laughs> I was gonna have somebody, especially down the home stretch, that I was gonna be able to lean on and, and insert into my lineup and help me to win a championship and unfortunately buckley's been very up and down gave large gauge larvadine was hurt a little bit but he's struggled down the stretch here after gabbert got hurt uh the hawaii wide receivers pafeli ashlock and stephen mcbride have just been okay 
So there have been a lot of guys that that popped early in the season and that we thought, you know, the situations looked like these guys could really uh, be difference makers for you. And that hasn't been the case. Whereas, you know, if you waited a little bit, you could have gotten a Malik Washington out of Virginia. Um, but somebody along those lines and, and they ended up being real difference makers for you. So I do need to be a little bit more patient with waiver claims, you know, maybe uh, use one early uh, and then kind of go from there, uh, especially like I said, in limited leagues where, you know, you only have four or five, five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suck at that. I think in the program I was out, but like week three, I was out of claims. <laughs> like, I, I think I did really good on them, but at the same time, you're like, you see these guys later on the season start to break out. You're like, ah, oh, crap, what am I yep. doing? You know? So it's really hard to wait, but yeah, it is. Like, the only reason that's about the only reason I give for those, those leagues that have waivers in like week four and eight. I hate that, but mm. it's also kind of nice too, because <laughs> it makes you like wait a little bit and yep. so you don't have those one week reactions, you know? So, yeah, I'm kind of coming around on the one week, uh, one with one pickup per week, uh, waiver yeah, claims. I, like I think, yeah. I think that's kind of where I'm starting to settle on, at least for like, you know, maybe newer leagues or something like that. I think if you have a lot of experienced players, especially a lot of experienced CFF players in your league, you can just go unlimited waivers and that would be my my preference. Um, but if you're going to limit it, I, I think one a week is, is kind of where I'm landing on. I kind of like that. Yeah, I do too. It kind of makes you think a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. So. Yeah, and it protects you from... You know, being like me this year and, and you know, spending up early on, on some guys that, you know, yeah, maybe the, didn't help you quite as much as you hoped. Because those first couple of weeks, you get all those terrible matchups too, you know, mm-hmm. so you get a lot of those falls. Yeah. You want to be early on guys, and I totally get oh, that. You know, you don't want to yeah. sit back too late and then you miss out on all these guys. But uh, at the same time, you know, patience. Yeah, like is, a guy like Marcus Carroll. I mean, you would have missed yeah. out on an amazing season if you waited, you know. And, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Guys like um, some of these upcoming quarterbacks too, like Jalen Rayner, um, oh, Deion yeah. Chris. I pounced on him. Yeah. Yeah. Noah Fafita. Um, you know, some of those guys, although Fafita was a little later in the year, but, you know, I was out of waivers by that point. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a delicate balance. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so what was uh, what was your other <laughs> big takeaway from this year? I, apparently, I've been listening to Moxley too much is what I said. Um, <laughs> I'm trying harder to gain. I know it's silly, but I'm trying to gain gain an advantage at tight end whenever I can. Uh, college tight ends, is, is it's finicky. It's definitely yeah. finicky. It's oh, yeah. a pain in the tail. But I, I like trying to get those tight ends that can get 10 and 15 points a week. I think it's just it's a it's an advantage when you go down the stretch. You know, if you got guys, I don't know how many lineups I would see. You know, the guys that have these great lineups and then their tight ends would get like three points, one point. You know, especially yep. two tight ends. I have several leagues where we start two tight ends. You know, so then it's even more critical, and it's really hard to find these guys. And and this is another thing that goes into those waivers because a lot of these guys are on waivers throughout the year. I yep. feel like there there was so many of them you could have picked. I was really high on Ben Sinat. Mm-hmm. And I have him on probably 12 of my teams. Like I just, I thought he would, you know, so having him was always a huge advantage at that position. So I always, you know, you see these guys that, you know, the top, I'm looking at the top 20 now, there's still some guys that are, you know, under 30% waivers still yeah. <laughs> at, this, at this point in the season, you know, you're like a roster ship. I mean, yeah. but, you know, obviously everybody had like the Brock Bowers, but, you know, D- Dallin Hoker kind of, Holker kind of came out of the, 
you know, I think I had him on a few teams, but he was kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Bryson Nesbitt is a guy who was getting buzzed and we thought he was dead. And then all of a sudden he's a top 10 tight end at the end of the season, you know? So there's a lot of guys like that. Uh, Harold Fannin from Bowling Green. I mean, yep. he had a couple weeks where he could have just won your matchup, you know, when you oh, get yeah. 25 points out of a tight end. Yeah. Last I mean, week, I think he got 28. Oh, he was a beast last week. Yeah. So once he hit that maxion, I mean, it was just crazy. So I'm trying really hard to make sure I get a couple of these guys and stick them there. Um, it's just something that, I think in the past I've always been like, yeah, whatever, tight end. Yeah, let's grab some guy. You know, if he if he's, you know, I, I would chase the the flash in the pans with those. You know, and it ultimately wouldn't work out, but I didn't care. You know, as long as I got two three points out of a tight end, I was happy. You know, because I knew the rest of my team was good. But then you get to those matchups where you're butting up heads against somebody. You know, and you really 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 need an extra five to ten points. So I'm trying hard to make sure I have a couple good tight ends. So. Yeah, I think the you're you're right. The tight ends can be definitely a big advantage for you when you're going up in the especially in the playoffs where both of these teams are good teams. A lot of them, a lot of times, it can come down to like you know who has the better positional advantage at a specific spot, and, and tight end is often one of the ones where you can gain a positional advantage. Do you have any sort of like a method you're planning on using to gain? that advantage at tight end next year? Are you going to look to target some guys early? Uh, are you going to look to be really active on the waiver wire throughout the season? Do you have anything you're you're planning on at this point, you know, almost a full um, year out? When it's my supplemental draft time, I'm actually going to move in with Moxley. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple Hawaiian shirts ready. We're going to be best buds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm going to probably – you know, later on in those supplemental drafts, target a couple guys that I know are in pretty good systems for that. I do, I, I joke about Moxley, but I will listen to him. He does tend to point out guys, even just in our chats, you know, he'll, he'll say something really good about that. So just kind of listen to the buzz, him volume pigs, you know, he always, mm -hmm. Justin's always got some good advice. Just listen to try to identify some of those guys. And, and Justin actually just put out, he just talked about a couple guys in his, one of his most recent articles that, could be guys next year already, you know, so just got, I'm just going to try to pay a little more attention to them. I often like I would take Sonat, like I took Sonat really late in almost every supplemental. So, and to see him work out was, is kind of nice. So I'll probably try yeah. to take a couple more stabs at that later next year. Cause most college teams I have, I think I'm lucky if I have three tight ends. Yeah. I mean, ugh, I just, but I think I, I might try to get four or five, you know, and then that, that'll be one of the dead weight I cut if it doesn't work, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you know, I want to take a couple shots and try to get one, of, get a couple of these guys, the Hulkers, the V-Ling, you know, there's a bunch of them this year that just were good guys to have in your lineup when, when it came to push to shove. So. Yeah. And I mean, there a lot of the top, top guys that we had at the beginning of the year didn't necessarily work oh, out because yeah. of injury. You know, you had Gadsden go down. Um, Keithy. Keithy never came back. Um, Mason Taylor you know, wasn't what we thought. Yeah. Yeah. Mason Taylor as well. So I, there aren't really any clear cut studs next year for me, except for maybe, you know, Fannin, uh, the tight end from Bowling Green should be back. He's coming back. I, I would assume. I don't know. I don't know. I always assume these guys have more eligibility these days. I swear. Yeah. I did hear. Pull it out might, of their tail. Yeah. Eligibility is made up at this point. I, I don't yeah. even know why I bother trying to figure it out. Like the points on whose line is it anyways. They're just made up. And they don't really... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. The points uh, are made up and nothing matters. Exactly. 
I mean, hell, I mean, I think even Gassett could probably come back. So I don't know. I mean, you can always target Iowa tight ends. That's always a good thing, too. Um, yeah. 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 The uh, Addison Ostrania or Ostregna, I don't exactly sure how to pronounce oh, it. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he just popped off, I think, like the last two weeks. He might be the next Iowa tight end. So that's a guy to to kind of tuck away, yep. I think. That's one Justin pointed out. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, I, I picked him up in our c2c versus nil league that we have in the that deep uh deep 24 teamers start two tight ends i just scooped him yeah. up here at the end of the year so hoping he ends up being something yeah. um but all right we'll move into to some surprises for this year positive <laughs> yeah. or negative either way i went negative on both of mine um but you are a more positive guy so what is your you, you had a big positive surprise from this year Oh, it was just nice to see a lot of, I call them reclamation projects succeed. Uh, Guys, you know, that were former huge names in CFF or huge, you know, um, hopes, hopefuls, I guess. Guys like Caden Salter at Liberty. I that's your QB2 on the year. I just crazy to think that, you know, he's been kind of bouncing around. It feels like Haynes King at Georgia Tech. I mean, top 10 quarterback, who to thunk. You know, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year, I mean, he was basically dead when he yeah. when he left Texas A&M. Penny Boom from Toledo uh, has a phenomenal year, and, and they were probably rostered in all of your CFF leagues just because they were highly sought after names at one point. You know, high, highly regarded, highly recruited, and they transferred to lower level schools and they found success. You know, I love seeing that. It's such a great story to have those guys. Uh, guys, you could have got stupid cheap in your drafts if you wanted to trade. Even Shadur Sanders. Yeah. I mean, Ricky White, Cody Schrader has been a monster for Missouri. Schrader. Oof, yeah, man. it's just it's fun to see those types of things. I think that's what makes CFF so much fun. I think it's you just, could even you know, throw Jaden Daniels in there. Yeah. Oh, exactly. He was basically dead when he, <laughs> he left yeah. Arizona State. Yeah. So it's just cool to see these guys succeed. And it, it's nice to know you don't give up all the time on some of those guys that have that highly that are highly regarded and have shown flashes of being something special at some point, you know, like, cause they can always transfer. You always get a second chance. And these guys will destroy a lot of G five teams, you know? So it's kind of fun to see. So, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely fun to see. And I think a, a lot of times we are focused on, you know, moving on from guys who aren't hitting, you know, we, we talk a lot about the year one zero theory with wide right. receivers. And if a guy's not looking like they're going to hit it in your C2C leagues, you want to, kind of ship them off while you can get any any sort of value but you know if, if you do something like that you might end up missing out on some cff production. right exactly. so you, you do have to kind of balance you know selling those guys for the right price and the potential that could come down the line as well uh after a transfer you know you never want to bank on that but like you highlighted a bunch of guys who who have succeeded after transfers and that is really nice to see yeah, that's CFF. Definitely not Debbie. Or, yeah. or, or you know, like, yeah. yeah, some of those games. Yeah, let them go. <laughs> so, yeah, especially in yeah. Debbie leagues. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who do you got? What's your first su- surprise? Yeah, mine is, uh, mine's a negative. Both of mine are negative. The first one is just how disappointing the matching was this year. Oh, I mean, been, it was, it was brutal. You know, a lot of these guys we were kind of counting on to be league winners down the stretch, you know, at the beginning of the year, you're like, all right, well, let me just get through this uh, opening season, opening the part of the season where you have Mac schools playing Georgia yeah. and playing yeah. Penn state and playing, uh, you know, high, higher level power five competition. Cause they're getting that paycheck. But, you know, then once, uh, once, once the season, the action kicks off 
that's when you could rely on these guys. And that just was not the case this year. Daquan Finn was the only quarterback from the Maction in the top 36 in fantasy points per game. Penny Boone was the only running back in the top 36 in fantasy points per game. There were no wide receivers in the top 36. Harold Fannin is the only tight end in the top 36. Uh, so just from uh, an individual standpoint, there's three players total in the top 36 at their position. My Toledo had Finn and Boone. They were the only offense uh, from the Mac that was any good this year in terms of a points per game basis and scoring points. They were 20th. Miami of Ohio was the next highest at 64th. That's like almost smack dab in the middle there. Right. Whereas last year, you know, you had two top 36 quarterbacks, Rourke and Finn. You had five top 36 running backs from the Mac and Carson Steele and Sia Bangura, uh, Marquez Cooper. Um, you had Samson Evans and, and Sean Tyler, four top 36 wide receivers and Devontae Walker and Dante Cephas, Alex Adams, uh, Sam Wigless. So many guys yeah. down the stretch last year and just nothing this year. Just huge disappointments in the Mac. Hey, you want to see how many Mac guys I have on my team? <laughs> so, yeah, kind of that feeds right into mine. Like I put Miami, Ohio, and Western Kentucky mm-hmm. were just, I mean, have been fantasy gold for the last couple of years. CFF hotbeds when they were just yep. largely pedestrian. I mean, Miami, Ohio, I think I had a league where I, I started Rourke and and uh wigless and i just yeah it did not go well so yeah. <laughs> too many things uh corley corley and reed put together pretty decent team seasons at, at the end of the road but still not what we drafted him for corley was typically like a top five receiver reed was often one of the top three quarterbacks drafted yeah cff i mean he was both those guys were first second round picks and they're both you know going to finish outside reed's going to finish outside the top 25 quarterbacks so yeah just we definitely didn't see as much G5 fun as we have in the past. I think it was more in the, the Sun Belt fun belt. And, yep. you know, there were some AAC, the American, yeah, had some nice the American guys this blast. year. Yeah. yeah. So I definitely don't, I'm not going to write off these schools forever, but it definitely, we've talked about it a lot in our chat how much Western Kentucky has changed and whether they can get back to their ways, you know, with coordinators and coaches and all that. So, and Miami, I think Rourke's injury was just, it was worse than I think anybody ever let on and they just didn't look right all year. So. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, you brought up with, with Western Kentucky and I think that is something that's a concern with some of these G five highly productive offenses is just the turnover at the coordinator position. We've seen Western Kentucky get rated Two years portal too. Yeah. Yeah. The transfer portal. So it it is tough for these programs to stay um, at the top for, for a long period of time with all the attrition that comes nowadays. Right. Um, I I love your second surprise because it's something that I, yeah, yeah, it was rough this year. (laughs) It was, it was. And it is my second uh, surprise this year was the collapse of the Debbie running backs. And there were, uh, a lot of them that we thought were going to be really good. You know, we had them at the top of the rankings and they've just disappointed for, for one reason or another, you know, Branson Robinson was at the top. He had that early season patella tendon tear. Uh, that is just a brutal, brutal injury to come back from not his fault, but obviously still a massive loss in value for him. And then you had 
guys at the top like Nick Singleton and Rocket Sanders, um, Donovan Edwards, Trey Benson, Jace McClellan, Jaquindon Jackson, all of those guys have have been disappointing this year. Uh, and then Travion was was very disappointing for uh, a fairly long stretch as well. He has picked it back up here at the end, but I mean, he's he struggled throughout the year. I, nobody really has Travion as a top 50 prospect amongst these draft analysts nowadays. Uh, I don't think anybody really has a running back in the top 50 prospects anymore. You know, this this whole class, it seems like it's only going to be a couple of guys that get taken early. And by early, I mean, like they, you know, second round. I think we're probably looking at a lot of guys going off the board at, you know, late third round, uh, early fourth round is probably where we're going to be seeing some of these guys come off the board. And, you know, I haven't totally given up on McClellan yet because he's put some games together here and there, but I, I, he's definitely taken a hit and not produced what I thought he was going to produce. And if you have one of these running backs, I think you just kind of have to hold at this point because they've lost so much value this year. You just kind of have to hope for some of them come back, maybe rocket, maybe Singleton, um, and Joe Quinton Jackson, maybe, and maybe you get a little bit of a rebound in value because it's it's been rough out there. Whoops, it has been incredibly rough watching those guys just just drop in value. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it made me take a step back and look at the landscape because it didn't even. I get myself in this CFF mindset so much that mm -hmm. I. And then I looked and I'm like, oh my God, if you look back at our Debbie rankings on the site, I'm like, oh my gosh, like yeah, brutal. <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah, <laughs> it was a bad, bad year. So yeah, it was. Yeah. And, you know, you, you did see some guys like Jonathan Brooks pop up, um, you know, and, and that's been really nice to see. Ashton Dinty's had a huge year. He might be looking yeah. at a transfer to a power five program. You know, we'll kind of see what that ends up looking like. Um, and you might get, rocket coming back singleton has a chance to bounce back with a new offensive coordinator maybe so there's there's a little hope for some of these guys oh, yeah. but i think he can't be totally out of the talent but yeah yeah but on a more positive yeah. note here <laughs> uh Definitely. season mvps so we both wrote down an mvp for the cff season here and i i like your call uh, a lot but you did put hands down easy call. I think mine was the easy call, but who was yours? <laughs> mine was Gene T. Just mine was mainly a cost thing. I mean, he was RB 41 uh, ish, you know, 120th player off the board to get the type of production you've got to get out of him. Um, one thousand over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, caught 32 receptions for another four touchdowns, multiple weeks over 40 points. Or, I mean, he just just absolutely annihilated. Unfortunately, he got this key injury and in going into the playoffs, which, I mean, if you were leaning on him going into the playoffs, you're probably very, very upset right now. Um, but what he did up, up until the playoffs, I mean, there are multiple weeks where he just absolutely won weeks for you. And I always struggle with quarterbacks because there is such a, there's so many points by quarterbacks, but he, yeah, mm -hmm. he does have Jaden does have quite a bit of an advantage. So I'll let you take your your Jaden <laughs> call here. I won't give you too much flack for it. So yeah, I think Jaden Daniels is I think the clear cut, uh, low hanging fruit for MVP of the CFF season this year. And you brought up a great point with Ashton Gene T and the cost value. Um, 
where Jaden Daniels was was going off the board as the QB 13 in uh, CFF, CFF. You know, he had we had seen flashes of, of some CFF value from him last year. But for C2C, I mean, he was going off the board as a QB uh, 51 at 178.7 with an ADP. So he was super late on there. And the production you got from him in CFF value just alone, even if there is no Debbie value, even if all of the late first round buzz or even day two buzz, even if that gets overblown, the the value that you got from him from a CFF perspective, I think in there is insane. He's the number one player in fantasy points per game by a full eight points per game, 39.9 fantasy points per game. Caden Salter is number two at 31.5. And that is just an insane disparity between the two of them. Right. And, and he only continues to, to do it in the playoffs here, which, you know, if you have Jaden Daniels, I think odds are pretty good that you're in a championship because of him. So I think he is the low hanging fruit in terms of MVP. Right. I actually gave an out of mention to Salter, mainly because he wasn't even drafted in most leagues. So yeah, he was a guy you probably picked up really early in your league and you're like, Thank you, Jesus. Like he has just been <laughs> to get a QB two off the waivers is yeah. So I, I put an honorable mention in for him too. So yeah. And you know, quick shout out to to Austin here. Um, you know, not that he deserves it for abandoning everybody, <laughs> but uh he did pick Caden Salter as his player who would help themselves the most this year. And I think that has looked like How a good, good about call. him this show. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Back to oh, negative. <laughs> back to the negatives. Uh, oh, biggest wow. bust of the year. And I, I I think mine applies mostly from a CFF perspective, but a little bit from a yeah. T2C perspective. But yours, I think, is a great call. Mine's personal. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like in the, It makes it all the better. In the Kings Classic League, I took Cy Bengira as my first running back. I mean, he was just... I think I took him in the second round, but anyways, he was a top two round guy. And I mean, he was a guy you're plugging into your lineup going, Oh, he'll come around. Yeah, he'll come around. Yeah. The week six, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure if he's coming around as you're like, Oh, you're like Oh, and five and your running backs are killing your team. Uh, just you, he was relied on to be the man. I mean, he was supposed to be it. You know, he was supposed to be, you know, a top five running back this season. And I think because of his, his draft capital it just, yeah, right. he just sunk your he's actually come starting to come around a little bit lately, which is really damn annoying. Yeah. Uh, it's so, just it's just salt in the wound. Yeah, yeah, but he was drafted, like I said, top 24 ish, like almost every league I saw him in. And he is sitting at 263rd overall in scoring. Uh, I said he is the equivalent to a steaming pile of cow droppings. So, <laughs> I, I, so I, it's personal. I'm not. It is personal with this one. So, I, I gave a one B to to Rocket too. So, I, just because he was right there, I mean, he was a top ten guy that was just you know in CFF. You thought he would just plug and play every week, and he kind of. I, I give him a little bit of a pass though because of injury and stuff like that. But I mean. To get six, 200 yards and two touchdowns over six games. Oof. Yeah, he killed you too. So. Yeah, he absolutely did. And, you know, I, I think that running back in general was just really tough this year. Like I highlighted for for Debbie purposes, right. but for, for CFF too, because you could talk C. Well, Bangura. Yeah. Um, Samson Evans was brutal yep. too. He killed me in a couple places. Uh, Jaquindon Jackson, he hurt me a lot. Um, 
So yeah, I, I understand the personal level on that one. I, I get that. <laughs> it stings. <laughs> Who you got, Colin? Um, I have uh, my biggest bust. Like I said, it's it's a little bit from both CFF and C2C, but it's uh, Emeka Igbuka, wide receiver for Ohio State. Um, he he did miss three games this year, so for an injury. So you know that that never helps, but. Um, he was a first round pick in both CFF and C2C leagues. He, CFF, he oh, yeah. was going off the board at um, 11.9 ADP. So right there at the end, C2C was at 8.1 ADP. And he, from a CFF perspective, averaged 12 fantasy points per game. That's not going to cut it. Four games under 10 fantasy points, only two games over 20 fantasy points. Um, that was just a colossal disappointment for you. And from a Debbie perspective, Emeka Ibuka is still my number two wide receiver. I think he does a lot of things really well. And I think that, you know, Kyle McCord kind of held this offense back a little bit. Um, But there have been a lot of other wide receivers that had huge years and have helped themselves a ton. And they really, really narrowed that gap that a lot of people had at the beginning of the year where it was Harrison Jr. and Ibuka one and two pretty much with a bullet. You have Roma Dunze have a huge year. Malik Neighbors had a monster year. I think he's probably the favorite for the Bolitnikoff. Um, Keon Coleman, your boy from Michigan State, transferring to Florida State, huge year there. Troy Franklin with the big year, like I highlighted earlier. Devontae Walker has really been coming on since he's been allowed to play. Uh, even Xavier Worthy has been pretty pretty solid this year too, and right. and you know yeah. he has his fans out there. So all really of those. Exactly. Yeah, all those guys are in a cluster for the wide receiver too, and and that's going to make it really difficult for Ekbuka to. He's going to have to stand out this off season because he did not do it during the season. Yeah, he's. I think going into the draft process, one of my absolute screaming buys because of that. We 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 know the talents there, mm-hmm. and if he does slip to the third round and a really good team, I'm going to be snapping him up like crazy, like everywhere I can. So, you know, in rookie drafts and all that. So. Yeah. 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 I think he's going to be a, a, an under the radar name for rookie drafts. Like I said, given the hype around a lot of these other guys. Great. Yep. Like that call though. He, I, I kind of forgot how highly ranked he was going in CFF drafts and yeah, I just kind of thought he was doing better. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of them because he went so high and yeah. Bangura was personal for you. Like Buka was kind of personal for me. <laughs> I have him in at least three leagues. Um, <laughs> I'll ha- I'd have to double check the count on that one, but I uh, I did take him in one of the two startups that I did this year too, so uh, that that kind of yeah. hurt. I get it, man. Um, all right, we'll close this out here with one last question. It's not on the show sheet, so I'm throwing this oh. at you. But you're professional. I got faith in you. Uh, we'll end it with a look ahead towards next year. Who, if you had to pick just one name to keep an eye on for next year, and it can be from any sort of a perspective that you're looking for c2c cff um devi nfl draft whatever you're kind of looking at um one player that you're keeping an eye on the most for next year Hmm. interesting We, we we mentioned him earlier um he was i think a guy that he he was a very popular early season pickup, and we we've not, we've nicknamed him the G five Kyler Murray. I mean, <laughs> Jalen Rayner is I think he's special, man. I think he really has the potential to be something 
especially for CFF. You know, I, I don't think he's going to have much NFL potential, but I love watching that kid play. I mean, he's just electric. Um, he's had a couple kind of poopy games lately. He's one of the guys that kind of sunk my playoff teams, mm-hmm. um, but he's still a freshman, you know? So what do you expect? He's yep. going to have some growing pains. So he's a kid is a lot of fun to watch, man. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, I know what's his name. Uh one more, one other guy, one other quarterback. I, I, I like these a lot of these quarterbacks we've seen this Zion year. Zion Chris? No, Calandria. Oh, God, Calandria. I love watching okay. that kid play. I, I think he's he's gotten in for Virginia in a couple games, and he is a gunslinger. I mean, he will throw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He might throw five interceptions, too. <laughs> uh, that's part of the game. But, man, he is fun to watch. And if he can clean up his game, he's going to be electric for CFF. So those are just two that come off the top. Um Okay. I think I think GT is going to be RB one next year going into the process. Uh, he's just he's yeah. special, man. I think he he's definitely, and I think he will ultimately get some NFL draft buzz. I'm kind of curious to break down his game with some guys who are, you know, can help with that because I I am not as good as that as I should be probably, but I see potential. So <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. fun to watch, man. So absolutely, I think kind of pop off. Yeah, I think the big thing with with Gene T is is he going to stay at Boise State or is he going to end up in the portal? Uh, there were some right. pretty strong rumors that he was going to end up in the portal, and I think he will definitely have his suitors. He's a oh, Texas yeah. from Texas, um, at least that's where he played his high school ball. So there's a lot of schools in Texas that could maybe look at him. I I'll be really interested to see where he ends up. I think that's going to really tell you. Um, a lot about what his NFL draft stock could be for Gene T. So that's a good call as somebody to watch out for. Right. Um, I think my biggest name that I'm going to watch out for is um, somebody who just recently announced that they were going in the portal. So I want to see where they end up. And that's MJ Morris, the quarterback at NC state. Um, He looked really good at the end of his freshman year, two years ago when he came in down the stretch, Uh, you know, they bring in Robert and I this year, we think that, yeah, he brings Brendan Armstrong with him. We were pretty sure that Armstrong is going to be the starter, but then he falters. They bring in MJ Morris, and he had a brutal stretch of games there. He played Clemson, and he played NC State and Miami. Like those, those are some good defenses that he played against. And you know, he struggled at times. He looked okay at other times. But I think with him entering the portal, he could be a really fun player for CFF for sure. I'm not 100% writing him off for Debbie yet. I want to see him maybe in a little bit of a different system. Um, he could be somebody that I think is going to be a popular sleeper list, I think, at the end of next year. Um, Good for, call, yeah. For for some potentially for some NFL draft buzz, depending on where he ends up and depending on how he looks. Right. He's, he's a guy you like a lot of the tools you see with him. And he just has never really gotten a chance to flourish there. I was kind of irritated when they brought in Leary this year. And yep. um, speaking on the NC State thing, I'm irritated that everybody's let the cat out of the bag on Kevin's conception. <laughs> I really wish Felix would shut the frick up about it. And like, <laughs> I mean, he, it's hardy hard. I think people are getting it too much. Like he is that kid's good, man. He's he's something special too. Um, yep. And his, his days of getting him at any sort of value are quickly fading away as well so oh yeah yeah he's um he's a strong contender for like a freshman of the year type thing that we might do here i mean he uh he won freshman of the week at least once he was in contention like two other times we try to kind of spread it around a little bit but he's had a phenomenal year 
Right. Oh, and that Marvin Harrison kid's pretty good too. Anyway, that's the last thing I got. <laughs> that's that's a good call. A little known Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. Yeah. Keep an eye out for him. He might uh, <laughs> he might be something someday. The kid's got some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, that's gonna wrap it up for us today. I'm gonna be back uh, a little bit later with a couple of start sits for you guys for your championship matchups. If you decide you want to listen, because I did not do well last week. That one that one hurt. <laughs> um. But I'll drop some start sits for you guys here at the end. But Dwight, I really appreciate you joining me, helping me out here in my time of need. Dwight, Mr. At FF Peebles Champ, uh, the editor and the backbone of our of our writing here at the site. Uh, appreciate you joining me, man. All right. Thank you, man. It was good. It's been a little while since I've been able to chop it up with anybody. And I miss it. I do miss it some days. Uh, some days I don't. <laughs> some days it's nice to be quiet and just listen to people talk. But it is nice. I, my, my daughter doesn't enjoy me talking to her. I, that's how I put her to sleep. Some nights I start to. She's like, Dad, I can't sleep. I said, let me tell you about this fantasy football thing here. So I'll just start, start talking to her. Bats. Tonight I was talking to her about Travis Kelsey, how many points I needed in this one matchup. And she's just like, okay, I'm good, Dad. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> All right. That works. <laughs> That works. That works. Uh, well, hey, open invite. Anytime you want to come on, always more than welcome, Dwight. I love talking right, to you. Thank you, man. Thanks. All right. Have a good one, man. All right. I am back with a couple of start sits for you guys here for the championship week. Uh, last week, a little, little up and down. Um, did pretty well on the starts if you take out Malik Hornsby. Um, and you know, didn't do great on some of the sits, but that's okay. It's all right. We're back. Got a couple here for you this time. Got one at each position and an honorable mention for you. We'll start with the starts, uh, starting Joe Milton this week. I know, I know I just bad mouthed him earlier on in the show and he's been a little rough lately under 20 fantasy points in three of his last four. But uh, the last two games were against Missouri and Georgia. So pretty tough competition. They get Vanderbilt this week. Vanderbilt's pass defense is bad. They allow 351 pass yards per game, which is 123rd in the country. The 14th worst in defensive pass EPA per play and 6th worst in defensive pass success rate. I think this is going to be the Joe, uh, Joe Milton week. Uh, you have him. You probably spend pretty high draft capital on him. Roll him out here in the championship if you're there and you got him. Uh, running back. I am starting Trey Benson this week against Florida. Uh, Jordan Travis suffered that brutal, gruesome leg injury. Very, very unfortunate for him. Uh, very unfortunate for Florida State as well. They still have playoff hopes. They got to beat Florida. Then they're going to get the uh, ACC championship game uh, against Louisville. Um, if they win out, I, I still think the committee would put them in. I mean, it's it's fringe playoff hopes here, but they are still alive. I think Mike Norvell with Travis out is going to get back to his roots and lean on the run. Probably don't really trust Tate Rodemaker to throw the ball around too much. Uh, and means they're going to lean on Benson in that run game and, Jordan Travis has seven rushing touchdowns on the year. So he's been doing a fair amount of vulturing. So I think Trey Benson's going to get into the end zone in this one. 
and Florida is susceptible on the ground. Uh, they allow 161.5 rush yards per game, which is 89th in the country. They're 44th worst in defensive rush EPA per play, and they're the fourth worst team in defensive rush explosiveness. So Trey Benson bust off a long touchdown run, um, and I think he's going to have the volume there as well. So I like Trey Benson this week. Uh, wide receiver of starting Jamari Thrash, the wide receiver for Louisville. They get Kentucky this week. Now, Jamari Thrash has been pretty bad uh, over his last three games. After a pretty hot start to the year, uh, over his last three, he's at 14, 5, and 3 fantasy points. His targets are down a little bit over his last three games as well, but he is still averaging just under seven targets per game, which is a nice number. Uh, Kentucky's passing defense is not good. Uh, they allow 238.2 pass yards per game, which is 92nd in the country, the 14th worst in defensive pass success rate. Kentucky's rush defense, though, is good. Uh, they allow 109.6 rush yards per game, which is 22nd in the country, 44th in defensive rush success rate, and 29th in defensive rush EPA per play. Louisville, if they're going to beat Kentucky in this one, I think they're going to have to do it a little bit more through the air than they have been the past couple of weeks. So I like Jamari Thrash to have a nice bounce back in this one. An honorable mention start is Jalen White, the running back for Georgia Southern. Uh, they play App State this week. White has been disappointing in his last two games, 14 and 8 fantasy points. Uh, he's also reportedly listed as day-to-day, -day, so this is something to monitor, but he played 55 snaps last week. So I would expect him to go in this one. Um, App State is coming off that big, big win against James Madison. I think we could see a letdown game in this one. They left a lot out on the field last week. Uh, and App State's pass defense is pretty solid. They've limited JMU last week. But App State's rush defense is bad and has been pretty bad all year. They allow 175.5 rush yards per game, which is 110th in the country. They're 20th worst in defensive rush EPA per play. So I like Jalen White this week against App State in a potential letdown spot. On to the sits. Uh, first up, I'm sitting TJ Finley, the quarterback for Texas State. Uh, look, hand up. I was wrong last week about Finley versus Hornsby. Uh, hopefully you heard the news about Finley still being the starter early enough in the week uh, that you didn't listen to me about Malik Hornsby. Uh, they announced that, I think it was like on Tuesday or something. It was pretty early in the week. Um, and I know we mentioned it in the Discord. So if you're in there, hopefully you heard that. If not, hopefully you saw it on Twitter. But it does seem like TJ Finley is still a starter. Uh, he threw 55 times last week. But that was because Arkansas State just absolutely demolished them. Uh, that was the most pass attempts he's had in a game so far. Uh, they get South Alabama this week. And South Alabama has a good defense. Uh, they allow 195.3 pass yards per game, which is 26 in the country. They uh, are 19. Uh, they allow 19.2 points per game as well, which is 22nd in the country. So I don't expect a lot of points here in this one. Uh, in terms of their efficiencies, they are pretty middle of the pack uh, in their pass EPA per play. They are 50th. Uh, and then in defensive pass success rates, uh, they're pretty much right around there as well. Pretty middle of the pack, um, hanging right around about 55. So 
pretty middle inefficiencies, but they are a tough defense. And TJ Finley turned the ball over three times last week. So I'm not entirely sold that they won't put Malik Hornsby out there in some packages as well. Uh, not a guy I'm going to start this week. Not going to go that far. But I'm not starting TJ Finley either. Uh, running back that I'm sitting this week is Jaden Ott, the running back for Cal. Um, they get UCLA this week. Jaden Ott has had four straight games over 20 carries and a touchdown in four straight as well. But that UCLA rush defense is stingy. Uh, they allow 64.6 rush yards per game, which is second best in the country. They're sixth in defensive rush EPA per play, 30th in defensive rush success rate, and fifth in defensive rush explosiveness. They also only allow 16.7 points per game, which is 10th in the country. Don't expect Cal to do a lot of scoring on this UCLA team. Um, so I am not starting Jaden Ott this week. Uh, the wide receiver position, I am sitting Keon Coleman against Florida. Like this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying about Benson. They have Tate Rodemaker at the quarterback position. I would expect more running in this game. If Florida State wins, it's likely on the back of their ground game. So don't expect a ton of volume here for Keon Coleman. And he has been... Uh, that's that's been a kind of a consistent theme for him most of the year honestly he had that massive game um against uh, lsu in week one he had another big game here or there uh, but over his last uh five games he does have five touchdowns but he only has one game in that stretch over four catches and over 60 yards and that was against wake all the other games uh volume has not been there the yardage has not been there the touchdown's not there. I have a hard time trusting Keon Coleman. Uh, and then honorable mention sit is Frank Gore Jr., running back for Southern Miss. Um, they play Troy this week. Gore has been hot over his last four games. He's had 38, 23, 35, and 18 fantasy points. Um, they Those games, though, were against App State who already highlighted how bad they are on the rushing defense. ULM, who's just one of the overall worst defenses in the country. Uh, UL, University of Louisiana. Uh, they are also not a great defense. And they played Mississippi State this past week. That was right after they fired their coach. So those have all been fairly soft matchups. This week against Troy, he gets a good rush defense. Um, Troy allows 98.2 rush yards per game, which is 13th in the country. 22nd in defensive rush EP, uh, success rate, 13th in defensive rush EPA per play, and they only allow 16.6 pass yards per game or points per game, which is ninth in the country. So they limit points. The very good rush defense. I'm not trusting Frank Gore Jr. this week. Um, so that's it for the starts and the sits. I'll recap them here real quick. I'm starting Joe Milton, Trey Benson, Jamari Thrash. And honorable mention, Jalen White. I am sitting TJ Finley, Jade Knott, Keon Coleman, and honorable mention, Frank Gore Jr. Best of luck to everybody in your championships this week. Hopefully, you bring at least one home. If you do, shout us out on Twitter. Let us know in the Discord that you won. Uh, we love hearing your success stories as well. You know, we, we do this because we love helping you guys. We love just providing all this information. And it's really good to know when it works. And we love hearing when you guys are successful as well. So let us know if you get that championship. 
Uh, let us know if you get a couple championships. If you win on both sides, definitely let us know. Well, we love to crown some king of seas out there. But that's going to do it for me this time. I will be back again next week. Uh, but until then, good luck, everybody, this week. And I'll see you then.